Welcome to Blah Blah Podcast. Put a put a put a put a bow on it. Missile anus. Missile. Miscellaneous. Burger. Burger. King. Who are the boys? Hey, mister. You want a turkey club? Did the intro play? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very special episode of Blah Blah Podcast. My name is Jason Green, and with me, as always, are my wonderful co-hosts, Sean Smith and Evan Moore. How's it going? Hello. Hey, 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 guys. And joining us today is a very special guest. He's the head of Killer Wolf Films and the director behind such cult hits like Swamp Zombies, Fist of the Vampire, and Curse of the Wolf. You may have seen him seen him featured on Red Letter Media's Best of the Worst in Review. Please give it up for Mr. Len Kabazinski. Thank you for having me. I, I really, really appreciate it. I've, I, I've been doing more of these podcasts lately, and I find them to be a lot of fun. So uh, hopefully your viewers will, will get a lot of fun out of our conversation. Yeah, I hope so, man. It's funny because a lot of our listeners are from Japan. So you, maybe <laughs> your films will be uh, downloaded and streamed a lot over there. You never know. You'll be yeah, that Japan. works. You know, uh, yeah. it, it's funny because I, I got a Facebook from, uh, I, I don't know, somebody from Mexico. And they're like, well, we all love you in Mexico, Len. And I'm like, <laughs> really? I, I have a Patreon. If you can just get maybe a quarter of Mexico to like join my <laughs> Patreon. Or maybe you oh. can get like a quarter of Mexico to like, uh, do they have Amazon Prime in Mexico? <laughs> Dude, watch them for free. Maybe. Just give me a sliver of Mexico. Juan, get me there Mexico, you go, Len. buddy. I will hire you as a sales agent, Juan. Make it happen. Nice. Yeah, it may, Len, maybe you have a world tour on your hands. You know, hop over to Europe, Mexico, <laughs> oh, and then Japan. But um, anyway, man, we're really thrilled to have you today. I, I know I am. And um, with the you know current anticipated re-releases of some of your films on, that are coming out on DVD, like Curse of the Wolf is now out on DVD. We want to talk to you about that. So right off the bat, I just want to ask you really quickly, the the best part about Curse of the Wolf that everyone talks about is definitely the killer theme song in the beginning. So if you can just explain a little bit about how that came to be and the origins behind that really great Curse of the Wolf theme song. Yeah, um, with the song, it, it's funny because it wasn't going to be in the movie. Really? Uh, oh, really? Yeah, I mean... Obviously, uh, not to sound dictatorship, but Killer Wolf Films is a dictatorship. <laughs> I, I make the sh I, sh I call all the shots. You know what I mean? Yeah. Much like any business, you come to the it's a triangle. You come to the top of it. There's one person, you know, male, female, whatever. There's one person, and Killer Wolf's no different. So when uh, this uh, it, an actor came out and auditioned for it, uh, Jason and um, is his name, and he came out and auditioned, and he screwed around and had a band and stuff like that, and. And back in those days, you know, the Swamp Zombie days, Curse of the Wolf, Fist of the Vampire, even Warriors of the Apocalypse, um, I'm getting flooded with stuff from bands and stuff like that uh, in the area. And a lot of it's poorly produced stuff, and I, I don't be mean to anybody, but I can't use it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And here it's coming from, he made Swamp Zombies. That's shot in beautiful 30 frames per second. You, know, you still try <laughs> to be good, though, at what you do. You know what I mean? Even yeah, yeah. if you're technically not all there we'll say i'll put that in quotations so if technically you're not all there you're still trying to do something good um even with swan zombies i'm trying to be like the movies i loved in the 70s and 80s that were b movies uh, you know direct to video type stuff especially in the mid 80s um but anyways back to the song uh yeah he came out and auditioned and and uh he'd uh, mentioned his band and things like that and he would write a song for the film and i said uh go for it but 
you know, sorry if I don't like it or, you know, don't feel like I'm <laughs> wasting your time, but just because you do it doesn't mean I'm going to take it kind of, kind of, kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, but he wrote it and he said, well, then, and maybe he was trying to butter me up at this point because I own six guitars and I, I'm not like oh. a lead guitarist by any means, but I, as a rhythm player, I, I would probably be serviceable. Um, unless you're playing lead on something like Nirvana or something like that, I could probably take lead guitar on that kind of stuff. But, but, um, uh, yeah, he said, Len, I, I wrote this, uh, why don't you come in and bring, I, I have a BC rich mockingbird is what I play on. It's like a see-through acrylic green, go figure, very swamp zombie colors, <laughs> uh, acrylic green mockingbird. Uh, actually, I think, I think, uh, if you guys are familiar with the band Cole Chamber, uh, their guitarist, I, I yeah. believe, had pretty much the same guitar as what I had. Uh, it's like a see-through green-looking BC Rich Mockingbird. But um, mm. he said, I wrote this. Why don't you come in and play the rhythm guitar section for this song, Curse of the Wolf? And I thought, okay. you know. So he had a small, again, a, a, you do 12 movies and, and you get old like me and take a bunch of hits to the head. You're, you, you get a little <laughs> fuzzy. But but I think, from from what I remember, and this is going on you know, 12 years ago or so now, um, he had like a small home studio or something like that. And I, I went to his house and, uh, recorded my guitar bits for it and stuff like that. Um, so actually most people don't know that is they ask who wrote the song and stuff like that, but actually I'm in the song. I, I play really? the rhythm oh. guitar. That's awesome. I play the rhythm guitar track on the song. I don't do the soloing. That was, that was, uh, Jason writing that. And mm-hmm. I mean, the lyrics, I, I didn't care. He wrote the song and turned it in. And, um, when we were editing the movie and stuff, it was like, um, man, you know, if I put it somewhere, it's either in the closing credits or the opening credits. And then I thought, uh, well, in the opening credits, um, what you see now is like the flames and there's like drawings I had people do of like ancient werewolves and stuff. That's all original. That was all artists that submitted like artwork to the film, um, wow. the opening credits. So I knew I was going to have that kind of imagery flashing and stuff put together in the opening credits. And sure enough, uh, we, um, the editor, Dustin Austin, at the time, put that that song in that position and said, Len, you know, what What do you think about this, yes or no? Um, and and I, I kept it. So uh, <laughs> I'm glad I did. Cause it, yeah, uh, me too. The one thing I, I, I want, I, I mean, I work a day job. Uh, most people think I'm at PetSmart or something, and that's cool because <laughs> I, I, I would probably really love working at PetSmart if you put me in, like, the reptile department or something. I would probably love a job like that where I get to, you know, handle iguanas and snakes and things like that. So. So I, I like snakes, but uh, anyways, uh, no, I don't work at PetSmart, but I'm sure it's a fantastic. Oh, company. that was my next question. If you work <laughs> at PetSmart. I do, I do not, but uh, I, I work I work in physical therapy. I work in rehab. I work at a hospital. Um, oh, I got the I, it's for the government, so I've had a government job for like 12 years now. Nice. Uh, so I'm not going anywhere there, but unless unless. Lionsgate or Warner Brothers comes and says, "Hey, Len, here's a three-picture deal," and then my day job, I'm saying, right there, buddy. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it's an opportunity you can't pass up. You know, but look, uh, we'll get more into distribution stuff later. But uh, but that's kind of how Curse of the Wolf came about. And I'm at the end of the day, um, it, it, I was really on the fence about putting it in there. But then it, 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 at the end of the day, too, I thought, you know what, the the Fans are really split in terms of if you ever talk about campy movies, I think a lot of fans have a very different opinions of what camp you know means, especially for horror and action movies. It's so varied from fan to fan to fan. That's been my experience anyways. But I thought, you know what, with a title like Swamp Zombies, if you didn't think I was trying to be a campy movie and I was trying to be like serious, then um, 
you're, I don't know what to tell you, but it's called Swamp Song. <laughs> yeah. I was yeah. trying to make Citizen Kane, but, it, <laughs> yeah. but at the same point, I mean, you know, we didn't know what we were doing or anything like that, but, it, but at the same time, you know, I was, you know, obviously knew it was a camp style, like, mm-hmm. thing. and Curse of the Wolf was no different, and I felt the song, you know, achieved that anyways, and kind of added that element to it, so. It's a great tune. Yeah. Thanks. Hey, Len, so on, on Swamp Zombies, that was your first big film, your first big distribution film. So what did you learn? That was my first film I ever did. Really? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so with yeah. Swamp Zombies, like, what did you learn? Uh, and, and what are some of like, the hardships that you went through or the positives that you went through that you took into Curse of the Wolf? Like, how did, how did the production of Swamp Zombies impact the production of, of Curse of the Wolf? Sure. Um, the one thing though, and not just curse, but when you learn stuff on swamp zombies, I apply stuff I learned to swamp zombies, what I'm doing today. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I roll out of bed tomorrow and write something for swamp zombies to an insert scene or something like that, I'm still, I have learned from, you know, 14 years ago doing swamp zombies one and, you know, no, this didn't work. Or we tried to shoot an insert like that and it sucked and blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm. Learning is endless in, in anything, really, whether, whether it's martial arts or filmmaking or music or painting or whatever the fuck you're doing. I mean, learning is endless when you're trying to be really, really good at it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, maybe I'm not trying to be as good, and I'll put that good in quotations, um, as like a, the piano or a film that's going to win an Oscar or something like that. But you know what? I don't, I don't want to make the piano. I, I want to make Martial Outlaw. I want to make King of the Kickboxers. I want to make... Uh, you know, uh, uh, the kindred. I want to make, you know, Night of the Creeps. That's what I want to do. That's what I want to be good at. Um, so, yeah, going into it, the, the big thing I learned in Swamp Zombies 1 is, uh, it, I mean, it was the first film I had ever done. I mean, through Killer Wolf Films, through my label. Um, I started as an extra in a movie called Zombiegeddon, where I'm a zombie extra in the film, directed by Chris Watson, um, who Conrad Brooks, RIP, buddy. I'm in the scene with Conrad Brooks at the end of that film, and, uh, uh, icon buddy will miss you. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, the thing I learned was, uh, you know, there's so, so, so many fucking people involved in, in, in making a film like Swamp Simons. When you do a zombie movie, yeah. you know, we don't have a Hollywood budget where we're going to say, you know what, I can pay you a SAG rate extra of a hundred bucks a day. Like you would on an A-list film. I can't do that. Fuck. I'm pinch. I'm working overtime at the hospital just trying to put the film together kind of thing, you know, and it's, uh, you know, coordinating, going back upon it now, how, could I do it again? Would I have chosen Swamp Zombies? Fuck no. Uh, I would have, <laughs> I would have, now that doesn't mean I regret that experience at all, but knowing what I know now, what could I have done? I would have written Skull Forest and done that first. Mm. Minimal locations, minimal number of cast members, very few scenes actually i think only one or two in the movie that have extras in them where i needed you know a group of people like 20 people um swamp zombies i had 20 people on set 50 different times and to coordinate all their schedules and everything you know all the zombie extras and god bless them because they make the movie and um that's the one thing i told my associate producer when i when i um did hellcat's revenge uh, they we got to talking about that and how hard it was to get extras and even if I said hey free beer and strippers we're filming at a strip club today <laughs> yeah, surprised. be surprised and the red letter media guys had the same problem doing a, a, a film they did called Space Cop uh, where they shot in a strip club and were offering free beer and strippers and stuff to come out and hang out for whatever reason people don't go 
and uh, it's hard to, to pull extras to do stuff. So, you know, I told my uh, Ruth, my Sprague, my associate producer, the one group of people I must have to have fun on my movie sets are my extras. Yeah. Because I'll use them again in the future, mm -hmm. you know. And at the end of the day, if they're pissed at somebody or they're pissed at an associate producer for being dicky to them or something like that, at the end of the day, they're not going to say I had a shitty time on so-and-so's film. They're going to say I had a shitty time on Len's film mm -hmm. when half the time I don't even get to talk to these people because I'm so busy, you know, directing mm -hmm. and producing scenes. And when I, when I was in – this reminds me. When I was in high school, I tried making a zombie movie called Return to PA because uh, Night of the Living Dead took place in Pennsylvania. So it was like, oh, we were going to return to PA. So I went around school telling a bunch of people, hey, I'm going to make a zombie film after school today down by my house. Uh, I thought I was going to have like 20 people turn out. Two people showed up. <laughs> yeah. so, yeah. so two zombies, and I just had to keep making them uh, uh, film in different camera angles so it looked like they were different different zombies. <laughs> See, you were off and running right off the bat, though. You knew how to do it. Film different angles, all that stuff. See, man? So good for you. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, in uh, in Swamp Zombies, yeah, the one thing I took away that I still, you know, apply a lot of those principles today are, are not trying to film too many scenes in one day. Uh, now, when I do a film, even like Hellcat's Revenge, I think if we move to locations twice in a day, that was like the maximum. Um, mm. really, I tried to uh, just stay in one spot and film out, whether we were at a tattoo shop or whatever. But in Swamp Zombies... I mean, there is a, I don't, I don't even think I own my day planners anymore. Those are probably long gone, but, um, <laughs> but my day planners were probably, I bet there was days where I had like 10 things down on them. And I just did Swamp Zombies 2 and um, I didn't produce the film. I shot it in Philadelphia and uh, Newt Wallen, if I said his name, last name right, sorry, Newt, uh, Newt uh, produced the film, but I got to set on some days and it was like, man, there's like, there's like 15 fucking pages we have to do today. This ain't happening, bro. You know, where, where have you shot a feature before? <laughs> because there's no way. Yeah, know? sounds overwhelming. It, oh, God, yeah. But, you know, um, but that's where Uncle Len steps in here with the experience. <laughs> and I know how to kind of make things happen at this point. So not to be yeah. arrogant, but I have some experience under my belt, and I knew how to move things along. But, I mean, there were days on set where I'd arrive and – the set's not even made. It's like, well, you can use anything in this room. I'm like, what? <laughs> I want to be, I want to be filming in an hour. You know, it's going to take me three hours to build a set. But you know, but those, those are some of the things. You know, you learn, and it, it's experience. And I, I have a lot more experience than a lot of the guys did on that set. But um, uh, the, the trailer for, and uh, I'll tie up your question in a second. But the trailer for Swamp Zombies Two just came out, so it's on YouTube now. If you check oh, cool. it out, Swamp Zombies 2, there's like a, a teaser trailer, and then there's uh, obviously the uh, uh, two-minute trailer out now. But, um, but yeah, the big thing I took away from the first Swamp Zombies, uh, um, uh, not move around so much from day to day, really condense filming where you're yeah, – to really do quality. I mean, I don't really feel I really got really good at lighting until – or better at lighting. If, if, if For indie films, I'll say this. When I say the term really good, not to pat my casting crew on the back or anything, but um, I will put the lighting that is in Angel of Reckoning and Swamp Zombies 2 coming out and my film Blood Prism, which is actually premiering next next Friday uh, here in Erie and should be on Amazon Prime next month. Nice. I will put the lighting – value in those films up against anything my peers would make anything i gotta check those out then so angel of reckoning really started my i was writing angel of reckoning as my mom was dying i mean 
when I did Angel of Reckoning, I was going all out, you know, for the lighting and stuff like that. So um, hmm. uh, I would put the lighting and stuff in that uh, uh, against anything my peers are doing. Give me another film with a $5,000 budget and put it up against mine. And I'll say, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know? So that's yeah. what I, I love Amazon Prime and uh, I'm, I'm babbling here. So I hope that's all right. with no, me. Oh, no, we love it. <laughs> I'm, a big, I'm, a, I'm not so much a Netflix fan because mm-hmm. as much as people like you can be an indie guy and get on Netflix. Well, you know what? I'm not interested in making you get buried. You get buried in Netflix too. You go all the way down on their search too. Like you, you uh, find these you know what, guys though, way yeah, down there. The original, the original Swamp Zombies was on Netflix. Netflix, like ten years ago, is not the Netflix. No, of today. not, a, not yeah. even close. They used to be today, a it's all there. on that. Yeah, today it's more them producing their own, you know, TV shows and stuff like that, and that's yeah. fine. Um, I know Amazon Prime is starting to do that. I really hope Amazon Prime doesn't get sucked into like what I would call Netflix hell, where you're, you know, you're only doing self-promoted type material yeah. and forgetting about all the awesome like B movies. I watch so much shit on Amazon Prime, dude, and it's like shot in somebody's backyard and stuff. But that's really what I watch. I mean, I watch that stuff. And um, and then I say, you know what? I shot Fist of the Vampire 12 fucking years ago, and it's better than stuff that I've seen coming out <laughs> in 2017. So I, I think like a competitor, though. You know what I mean? That, yeah, that's course, the martial yeah. artist in me. That's the, 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 the fighter in me. I'm thinking that, you know, hey, I did this so many years ago, and it's so it's better than this now. Um, so, Evan, Sean, and I, we made a few things in college we, we should show oh, you sometime. Yeah. I think you get a kick out of. <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I take everything as a learning experience and an opportunity to really like learn something. So uh, believe me, I, I, I think I would take it more positively than you may think. Uh, <laughs> everything, everything is an opportunity to get better doing something, and uh, that's mm. the way I kind of try to treat treat life in general. But uh, but yeah, to tie up that question, I'm sorry. It's, no, no, no pause. Uh, scheduling day to day operations is what I learned. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, more is not more. You, you know, you really have to schedule. If I could go back and do Swamp Zombies one in time, I would have uh, like a time copish thing. I would have done like uh, <laughs> and scheduled like three or four scenes like to shoot per day, and that's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And that's really what I did in movies like Skull Forest uh, go- going yeah. forward. Uh, Angel of Reckoning, Skull Forest. There was a lot of times where you know we started shooting at maybe nine in the nine in the morning, and we were done by like six or seven o'clock. Nice. I, I and I I can live with a day like that. Not to me. I'll go all night. It don't matter. You know. I I got I got to do what I got to do to finish a film. Yeah. But I mean, I got to think about my cast and crew. And no one's gonna have the passion you do for your own work. You, you know what I mean? So you still got to think of how the other people are thinking and feeling about stuff. And um and I, I think that that hurt the original Swamp Zombies. Is I came in with so much fire and passion about stuff. Uh, Chris Watson had helped me out, kind of with the feeling that I could do this kind of thing now that mini DV was really becoming a thing that you could shoot on and get your movie at local video stores or actually national video stores at that point. But, um, but yeah, day-to-day operations, scheduling, um, and, and, you know, trying to coordinate schedules is hell. It's still hell now. Yeah. But, um, I, now I'd say going back, you know, a couple films now to probably skull for a few films to skull Forest. Uh, what I learned was, yeah, condensed stuff on the same day, um, for, uh, Hellcat's Revenge. I think I had seven scenes with a lot of extras that are shot in like a biker clubhouse thing. There's a male and female, uh, biker clubhouse in the film is they're like rival gangs against each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and I scheduled all those shoots on one day. So <laughs> all the scenes with the maximum, they only had to show up one day for me, nine hours. I'd shoot it and be done. 
And uh, so, In the books. But I learned that off of Swamp Zombies. Believe me, it was a shit ton of fucking fail before <laughs> I learned how to do that, before, I, before yeah. I learned how to schedule and do stuff like that. So, but yeah. uh, when people ask me how long did it take and blah, 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 you know, something like uh, Swamp Zombies 1, uh, the techniques were not uh, dissimilar to something that, you know, the cor- my hero, Roger Corman, or something like that would do. You know, Jasmine St. Clair was on set for two days and done. Uh, Pam Such and Blue Meanie were on set the most. I think they were a Monday through Friday. Um, but uh, even going forward, you know, Lisa Neild, Playboy Centerfold Lisa Neild, who I've worked with several times, just a great, great, great person, her and her husband, Jim, miss you guys. Um, you know, she'd be on set for like a day for Angel of Reckoning. But I mm-hmm. knew how to like structure scenes at that point. And that all starts at the beginning. And that comes from Swamp Zombies experience. man. Mm-hmm. So Nice. Um, going back to Curse of the Wolf uh, real quick, uh, I have to ask about Lanny Poffo because uh, it's he, he pops up in the halfway through the movie and I, I wasn't expecting it. And I go, oh, it's Lanny Poffo. <laughs> um, such a nice guy, too. I, I was just about to ask, what was it like working with him and how did you get in contact with him? And more importantly, did he write you a poem? <laughs> no, but but I'll answer the question, but I'm going to kind of go. Uh, forward first and come back. Uh, this is after Curse of the Wolf is shot. It's a uh, maybe like a year later or so. So Curse would have just hit home video, DVD and stuff like that. Um, Lanny, uh, who's in like the Tampa area, I believe he's still in the Tampa Bay uh, area, Florida, um, calls me out of nowhere. I'm at work and I go into a side room and take the phone call and it's Lanny Poffo. <laughs> he's like, and, and I love Lanny. He's so cool. Uh, <laughs> He had a speech to do where he wrote a poem for this one woman who was good, this this uh, handicapped woman who I think was in a bad car accident or something. She was winning some kind of award. Mm-hmm. And they had Lanny do the opening presentation for her where he wrote a poem and stuff. And he's like, he's like, <clears throat> Lan, I know you're not going to kiss my ass with stuff. So I'm going to call you because I, I respect your artistic opinion about stuff and you're not just going to kiss my butt and you'll tell me if it really sucks. <laughs> so I wrote this for this woman for this event and I'm going to read it to you and let me know what you think. And so, uh, so he sent it to me and I'm like, well, email it to me too, Lanny, because what I'll do is I'll send it to like my musician friends or my, you know, other artsy friends I have that write lyrics or, you know, those kinds of things. So, uh, it turned out a success and, uh, I, I think his speech is online somewhere. I'll have to find it. I'm sure it's on YouTube. But but anyways, going going back, that's why I love Lanny. He'll call me <laughs> yeah. out of the blue and just say, Lan, I know you're not an ass kisser because that's totally not me. I'm I'm totally old school punk rock rebel. So <laughs> so uh, would I tell Lanny if it sucked? Of course I'd tell him. But uh, yeah. but it, it, it was it was great. So but uh, he kind of knows what he's doing. But uh, I I, re- I I really loved that phone call out of nowhere from Lanny. So um, but. Uh, Anyways, Lanny's busy all the time now. I, I would work with Lanny again in a heartbeat. Uh, since Macho Man, since his brother uh, Randy got put in the uh, uh, wrestling like Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. uh, Lanny's been nonstop busy because mm-hmm. obviously he, he has his brother's ring, his Hall of Fame material, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. It, it, uh, stuff like his ring and things like that. So he, he's, uh, I don't know if he wrestles anymore or not, but I, I know he still goes to a lot of wrestling events and stuff like that and makes appearances and things. So, oh, okay. Uh, He's really a, a super, super funny, personable guy. So my German Shepherd's head is right here. Largent, go lay down, buddy. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I have a 125-pound German Shepherd. Ooh, and he's, wow. he's, he's not. So he's, he's old. So uh, uh, Sounds like a cutie. 
he he is. He's he's a big numb nut. I mean, yeah. if uh, I wouldn't recommend coming in my house at two a.m. with my well, kids, there, but, there, uh, of course. It, I mean, you're it, there too. You'd probably like throw a roundhouse kick and knock my head off or something. <laughs> yeah, uh, I run too fast. But uh, but my dog would uh, he would uh, I wouldn't recommend that. But if you came in the house with me right now, he would he would just want your attention. He'd be, he'd, um, uh, how would if you mind me asking, how did you meet Blue Meanie as well? Yeah, actually, I'll I'll tie both of these questions together. Um, they were through like um, a lot of these wrestling guys now that are you know outside of WWE when they get onto the indie circuit and they're booking indie shows. They've got a lot of different like um, guys or girls that that serve as like bookers for them um, to make appearances and things like that. So I believe back in the day, uh, uh, actually, uh, we'll start with Lanny first because um, I believe I got them from the same like website or I, I forget what it is now. I mean, this is a long time ago now, but it, mm-hmm. I know it was off of a website that was listing several bookers, uh, mm-hmm. several wrestlers that were in their stable of people they would book for. And um, yeah, I think Meany and, and Dan Severn actually too were on the because oh, yeah. uh, Dan Severn's in that movie too. And this is back before the UFC was really blowing up at the time, so wow. it wasn't super popular yet. And uh, but uh, we'll get on to Dan, but he, he's an incredible man. But, uh, yeah, uh, the, the, you know, I, I was really fortunate that uh, uh, to work with the people I did in Swamp Zombies 1, though. I mean, they were awesome. They treated my cast and crew good. I mean, we took Dan Severn out to Pizza Hut afterwards, and he was like, <laughs> yes, sir, yes, ma'am, to, like, even the Pizza Hut people. I mean, you could tell he was, like, a, a southern gentleman type type mm. dude. He was really awesome. But, but uh, yeah, Lanny, same thing. Lanny was super funny. I got him through that that booking website, and um, yeah, the next thing I know, he, he was out, and we we went out to dinner when I first when we first got him from the airport, and I think I was late picking him up because I was late getting out of work or something, so he was afraid I was gonna like not pick him up. <laughs> he had never done films or anything really at that point, so he's like, "Len, I didn't know if I was gonna get angry or what I should feel or if you were gonna <laughs> no show me or whatever." I'm like, no, God, I would never do that. But but you know, when it's when you're doing something so different, you know, you don't you don't know and. Um, yeah, we took him out to eat and he just ate the hell out of this Italian restaurant. I, we were at. I could I, imagine. I could only yeah, imagine. Okay. I, I have never seen a man put away Italian food like, like <laughs> Lanny. He, he did. But sure. he was a super, super funny guy. Super nice guy. Uh, I would work with him again in a second. But yeah, it was through a booker. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same with Blue Meanie, who I still, you know, since face, uh, since uh, like Facebook and things like that, and social media blown up, I you know I talk to Meany usually all the time or message him or you know mm-hmm. chat, and um, yeah, I think he still wrestles too. I believe like independent bookings here and there, especially like BWO type type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he was on set five days. Uh, Lanny on Curse, I think, was on set two days, mm-hmm. um, and then Dan Severn was on set for one day on Swamp Zombies one. But then I went back. Um, and went to Michigan to his place uh, where he lives in Coldwater, Michigan, mm. and shot and made his fight scene with zombies like bigger. And I used some of his professional wrestlers that are or, or some of his MMA guys at, at the time in his camp. Uh, he got them to come out and be zombies, and he gets to toss them around and stuff. So I said, I'll come to you, Dan. Just give me woods. <laughs> and he's like, well, we just have to go outside my house. And I'm like, perfect. So, lots, of, <laughs> lots of trees out there. That's it. That's all I needed. So, um, Len, so where did the initial idea for Curse of the Wolf come from? Like, what were some of the inspirations for making the the film? What was like the kernel of Curse of the Wolf? Um, I I would say, you know, I had a plan early on that I knew I wanted to tackle different. I mean, at that point, you know, like I said, mini DVs becoming a thing. Um, so you have to do horror 
horror, I put that in quotations, you have to do horror movies, you know, to get out back then. Uh, Brain Damage Films, for example, they were getting work left and right into like Hollywood videos and these video stores that were across the nation. So, but you had to do horror themed things. So I knew after Swamp Zombies, I knew, I knew I would tackle werewolves, vampires. I mean, I knew I would get to all that stuff in my, my, my body of work eventually, because that's how it was to get out there back then. So, um, Go, going into the second one, I was going to tackle my favorite like horror genre, which would be werewolves, and, nice. uh, or my favorite my favorite creature genre, which is is the werewolf genre. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my favorite, and I get asked this so before before anybody asks me, my favorite werewolf genre film is Bad Moon, the 1996 movie Bad Moon with Michael Pare. Wow, where it is <laughs> German Shepherd versus werewolf movie. <laughs> I remember my parents. I remember my parents renting that from Blockbuster when I was really young. <laughs> oh, I got it! I got it! I got it for my birthday. My wife bought it for me uh, on Blu-ray, and uh, it is the gift that keeps on giving. It is a, it's a, it's a, yeah, that's like a nostalgia kick in the head right there. <laughs> uh, it, it's a uh, you know when I I was I was late in college when it came out, so this is like '96, and. Uh, me and my brother would go see movies during the week a lot just to kind of feel like we broke up our work week kind of thing. And so we'd mm-hmm. go to see the movies. And in Erie here, we had a, at the time, it's gone now, but we had a cheap theater that had like 50 cent nights or dollar nights and things like that. And he said, Len, you know, when you get out delivering pizzas, when you get done, uh, there's a movie called Bad Moon. Do you want to go see it? I don't know anything about it, but let's just go see it. And I was like, yeah, why not? (laughs) Why not? And it turns out to be just one of those cool experiences where one of those totally unexpected things you knew nothing about. And it turns out to be awesome. The, the it's my favorite looking werewolf in werewolf movies. I love the werewolf in bad moon. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, curse of the wolf. I knew I wanted to do a werewolf movie next because it was my favorite genre kind of, uh, favorite creature in the genre. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, it's really as simple as that. So, Okay. Nice. Very cool. Um, so in terms of releasing and distributing your films, how has that changed over the p- course of the past 10 or 15 years? Like, tell us a little bit more about how that kind of works in the indie world. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's tough. It's, uh, uh, 10, 10, 10, 15 years. And, and no, bro, it, it's like past six months, brother. <laughs> but it's, really, it's really changing. I mean, <clears throat> but it. um, it's uh, some of the experience, though, you know, you, you can't get the experience in in reading an article in a book yeah. or online or something like that. You have to live it. I mean, it's just that that's how it works. And, um, you know, when I did Swamp Zombies, I mean, not knowing what we were doing, and I freely admit that I, I still had a plan, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wouldn't have booked Jasmine St. Clair, Blue Mini and Dan freaking severin yeah i mean those are big those are good names to get for your first yeah yeah and i learned that i learned that from chris watson love you buddy i learned that from chris watson that you know get these people on set for a few days you know and get names attached to their movies um but again ufc was really just not a huge thing in 2004 when i'm filming it so so uh if i could go back and pull swamp zombies forward a little bit it might have done even (laughs) better but um can always yeah. remake it shot for shot. Yeah. <laughs> Negative chief. <I> mean, <laughs> uh, you know, it's uh, uh, going back. I mean, I had a plan that I knew I wanted to get it out there. So then when we started giving, you know, I had people like Tanya York from mm-hmm. a very powerful woman, uh, very nice looking woman, actually, to um, uh, call me and talk to me about uh, signing Curse of the Wolf with York Entertainment. 
But then I, you know, I'm not completely stupid. I researched them online and all horror stories from like mm. in, in, indie guys saying they made no money, blah, blah, blah. Mm. But, you know, so me and my infinite wisdom uh, walked around uh, and I say that meaning not my infinite wisdom, walked <laughs> around video stores and, you know, saw stuff from brain damage films and stuff. And it's all over the place. Video Factory was a big, you know, chain of video stores and stuff like that. Even Blockbuster had them. They had all, the, all these brain damage films. I'm like, man, they're getting their stuff out there. Yeah. These guys must be making money. <laughs> They're in Blockbuster, you know, but you don't know any better in 2005, you know. So I thought, here, I'll sign it. And sure enough, though, you know, if you would have went to uh, the Cannes Festival in France or whatever, if I said that right, I have an impediment, so some things I say are pronounced <laughs> correctly. It's Cannes, right? Cannes Film Festival. Everyone says it differently. Cannes, Cannes, it's, you know. However, oh, you, however you want to say it, yeah. is the right way to That's say right. it. That's right. I was just going to say that makes me feel better. So fuck it. <laughs> there we and, go. And, and and you know, they would send me pictures. Brain Damage would send me photos. Hey, we're at cons, and here's the poster for Swamp Zombies, which is on my wall right there. And, hmm. and it's like dead center in their booth and cons. So here I'm thinking, oh man, this is it. I'm I've done this shitty movie, but yet it's hit something and it's on its way. Mm-hmm. No, it wasn't. I mean, it, it got out there, but in terms of money, I've never made my money back from Swamp Zombies. But it's the first thing you do, so you have startup costs. Learning and, curve, mm-hmm. man. It's all about the learning curve. All things, so. But, um, but I, you know, there was a plan with the names involved and stuff like that that I could get out there on home video and do those things. And I, I will say uh, Brain Damage, which signed Swamp Zombies, Curse of the Wolf, and Fist, um, those films did get out there. I mean, I could go to Walmart and buy them. I could go to Kmart. And mm-hmm. it, it, to me, financially, it really means nothing because you don't make any money off of DVDs through a distributor. I mean, never. Um, but I think the thing where it helped me most is cast and crew saw me as like legit. If we go out and do Len's movie, our movie's going to be like out there. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that was the biggest help um, uh, uh, from signing with, with something like Brain Damage Films. Um, going forward, I did a, a movie called War is the Apocalypse, uh, which is that, which was re-released a couple years ago as Apocalypse Female Warriors. And uh, when I did that movie, I signed with ITN Distribution, which is does some million-dollar budget movies and stuff. So I thought, this is it. They, this owner called me, and he wants my film and stuff like that. And I thought, here's my shot. If I'm going to go away from brain damage films, it's going to be with this guy, because Warriors is like an ambitious indie movie. Again, it, yeah. it's... It's what it is, but you, you can't say it's not ambitious. And uh, <laughs> so I said, you know what? I'm going to go away from the norm and take my chances and see what happens. Well, it, honestly, you know, I don't know what I was thinking because all he did was bury me underneath his other, you know, films. And, you know, yeah. so so be it. But, you know, the minute my contract expired, I told him I'm not resigning. I want my movie back. And mm-hmm. I had uh, Chris Young re-edit it a little bit and tighten things up. And uh, they were uh, worldwide multimedia re-released it as uh, Apocalypse Female Warriors. Mm-hmm. So, um it's a lot more palatable now to, to watch it. I chopped 15 minutes off of it or something like that. But, uh, but anyways, you, you live and learn. And then going into um, Skull Forest, I uh, uh, ventured out and through experience and networking and stuff like I, I believe it was even on Facebook. So this is 2012. Um, uh, Scarlet Fry, I think his name was, said, hey, go with this company this worldwide multimedia. I've been with the brain damage. I've been with these other places. I've made the most money I could make through these guys so far. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Mm-hmm. So, and I, again, you know, 
when people release these things in an indie world with these distributors, you're, you're only getting paid twice a year in general. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if you're making a few thousand bucks a year, you, you know, you're doing well for this kind of thing. Uh, but now, like I said, it's, it's a six month thing. It doesn't go back 10 years. It goes back like six months for me. <laughs> six <Yeah>. minutes. <laughs> yeah. For real, for real. For real. It's uh, I got my rights back to all my brain damage films, which I was basically on like a year to year contract after my original contract expired, which was five years. Um, and I said, well, you know, it, it, it's time. I don't see any paychecks for these anymore. I'm not getting any royalty checks and haven't gotten any royalty checks in years for those films. And I'm like, you know what? I want these films back. So uh, I got them back and uh, tweaked them a little bit. Nothing drastic, but um, and then re-released them with new special features and things like that. Uh, so Swamp Zombies, Curse of the Wolf, Fist of the Vampire, the new DVDs out now, those are produced by me. So, uh, you know, w when people say, what's the way to support you, Len? Or, you know, we want to buy your stuff, but don't want to give money to a middleman type thing. Buy the new DVDs because I produce those. Nice. The, the, a distributor will never see one penny. They're on eBay, right? DVD sales of that. So what was that? They're on eBay, right? Yes. Yes. We have our own little eBay, you know, store, if you will. Yeah. And it really, they're all right there. It's Swamp Zombies, Curse and Fist. Um, you'll see the new artwork and stuff like that. And um, I believe even the title says, I, di I didn't set it up. Uh, my wife uh, technically runs the business and um, she set up all the links and stuff like that. Oh, for that's great. I believe if you put in like Swamp Zombies re-edit or whatever, mm -hmm. it'll, it'll pop. So. Yeah, I got the Swamp Zombies DVD. It's I thought it was in arm's reach, which is why I was reaching over here. But I got it on my shelf over there. I mean, it's a beautiful looking DVD. It's a fun, fun film. So, yeah, no, definitely check those out on eBay for sure if you, if you haven't already. So, Len, I wanted to ask you, and I know that, uh, and I'm assuming that your popularity recently probably spiked. And I wanted to ask you how your appearance on uh, Red Letter Media, specifically with them discussing Curse of the Wolf, Skull Forest. How has that impacted uh, your work? How has that impacted your popularity? And was it fun to punch Rich Evans in the face? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> with them, you know, it, it's, well, I've known him for three years now, I think yeah. it is. About, about three years. I, I went out to do a Ninja Movies Best of the Worst. And uh, uh, Mike had, had emailed me and out of the blue and just said, Hey, we're fans of your work, blah, blah, blah. You know, do you want to come out and be a guest? And, and I, and I said, well, well, sure. And I think some of their fans were taken back by it because they're like, there, there's a fine line between like cutting on somebody's work and stuff like that, or ripping on somebody's work and then ripping on them. Like personally, there's, there, there's like a difference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I can make fun of, of a Todd Sheets film, but think Todd Sheets is like awesome yeah. as a human mm -hmm. being. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? So there, there's, there's a difference. And, and I never felt like I was being like personally like insulted or something like that. Yeah, they don't seem like the type of guys to do that. No, and, and they're not. I love those guys. And, uh, uh, you know, it's, uh, they emailed me. I went out and did it. And uh, even they, they, I think, were taken back a little by it because, you know, but nobody knows my attitude unless you talk to me. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I treat everything. Everything is is martial arts based with me. I've been in it my whole life. I, I Learning opportunity is everything. Don't pass something up because you're scared or don't pass something up because you, you, you're, you're afraid of that. I don't know thing. There could only come positives from me going out there. And so. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I went out there. I did it. I did the, the Ninja uh, movies, Best of the Worst, which was hysterical. Yeah, it was a funny episode. <laughs> I, still, I still look back when I need to laugh and watch it because the part where Mike talks about uh, the hero in uh, 
the one ninja movie looking like the Hamburglar. I laugh every <laughs> time. I, I, uh, every time I hear that segment. But uh, but I did that, and I I was also shooting my uh, bit for Space Cop out there. And Jay was saying, Len, I don't know how you do it. We've done one movie in 10 years and you've done 12 movies <laughs> in 12 years or whatever. And it's fucking hard. <laughs> like, yeah, it's tough. But, uh, but you know, I, I can't not do it. This is, this is life. You know yeah. what I mean? This is, uh, mm-hmm, yeah. I, I artistically speaking, I am, I definitely am very, you know, great white sharkish. If I don't swim forward, I die. I mean, mm-hmm. I have, constantly moving and doing things and you know uh i can't imagine my life without having that artistic release and you know getting my crazy ideas out there and stuff like that but uh but yeah going out there was awesome uh when they picked me up from the airport the first thing i told mike is uh First, I showed him the uh, Predator opera song that's on YouTube because I think it's really funny. Where it's <laughs> the, the Predator what? movie, and it's like uh, the the Schwarzenegger Predator movie has like this opera song thing to it on YouTube. It's pretty funny. And you then never I told seen that, him, Jason? I, I'll, I'll send you the link. No, it's news to me. It's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. I'll send you the link. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Len, so when you punched Rich Evans in the face, like how <laughs> soft is it? To be? I, I, Give me all the details so when, whenever I meet him, I can punch him. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Um, Rich is one of those guys you want to punch in the face. It's a, it's a, I'm, I'm totally kidding. It's not you, Rich. I would punch Jack. No. <laughs> I, I'm totally kidding, Jack. I wouldn't punch you, too. But, they all uh, seem like really cool dudes. Yeah, they're, they're super awesome. And, and, and um, yeah, I think um, – I, I don't know how to gauge things. You know, when I meet Rich, and I mean, I tower over Rich. I'm not the world's <laughs> tallest man, but I tower over Rich. And here's this guy that, you know, he's cut on his films and, and made fun of and stuff, and I'm going to throw my fists in his face. So he had to trust <laughs> me that, you know, I wasn't really ever going like, you know, <laughs> to do nothing. Like an oops kind of thing. Here, just don't move this way. Oh, pa- oh sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, Whoops. I didn't mean that. I did the choreography. I meant for you to stand here, not here. Uh, no, I wasn't going to ever do it. <laughs> so, Len, um, obviously, martial arts is a big has a big impact on your life. And um, when you think of a movie like Curse of the Wolf, do you think like, oh, I want to make a martial arts movie with like werewolves in it or zombies in it, or do you have the idea for the creature first and then f- think of a martial arts style to put into it second? Yeah, for, for the early films, it would be theme first, but I knew that I wanted to think of how could I separate myself from my peers even back then. And I looked at other movies and said, well, there's a lot of people that can't fight or can't do like action sequences in these movies. I feel I can do that even with my limited you know budgetary means back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was accomplished to some degree of success. I mean, when people look at my early works, they even say, well, then these have fight scenes that other movies of your budget level and things don't have in them. And I'm like, well, good. That's what I want to hear. Yeah, that's what we wanted to do to separate from our peers and make us different without like forcing trying to be different. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, it was theme first, meaning zombies, werewolves, vampires, whatever. But knowing all out that, you know, the whole time ahead of time, too, that, you know, there would be fight scenes in the movie to try to make us different from from other stuff that was coming out. 
Okay. Very cool. Very cool. So, Len, can you name some of your major film influences? Like, what are some of your favorite movies? What got you into indie filmmaking? Like, did you have this aha moment after seeing an indie film or, like, one of your favorite 80s or 70s action movies? Like, just kind of tell me about where your interest really came from. Well, I, I'm an 80s kid, so, I mean, naturally, I'm a ninja craze, you know, <laughs> kid. So, I love canon films. I love all the canon movies. Um, when... People ask me to this day, Len, if you could get a franchise, what would it be? Or blah, blah, blah. Give me the rights to American Ninja. Let, let me write a new <laughs> Nice. Get back. I'll put Michael Dudikoff in it. Give me the budget. I'll, I'll do it. Give, it. give me the rights to American Ninja. So, um, but, uh, you know, um, growing up, I, I would have uh, my file cabinet in my room that was full of, like, Incredible Hulk comic books. And on top of it, I had, like, a little tiny, I don't know six inch black and white television that I would watch like late night movies on. And my brother, my younger brother would jump in my bed and we'd sit there and we'd watch like swamp thing or something mm -hmm. on my little black and white television. So, I mean, I knew early on I, I wanted to do films, but, but back then, even as I'm going, I, and I uh, went to Gannon university where I have a, a, a bachelor's in theater and com communication arts. I had worked in television for several years. Mm -hmm. um, but back then too, even this is 92. Now we're talking about, uh, everybody's shooting on film. If you want to get out there and do anything, there is no mini DV at that point. You had to shoot on 35 millimeter film and that's a six, six figure budget mm -hmm. just to shoot on that kind of, unless you know a lot of friends that have a lot of favors that owe a lot of people some things, you're not <laughs> shooting on 35 millimeter film, a feature film for less than six figures. You're yeah. just not. And, um, so I thought, man, I'm, I'm fucked. I'm never going to get to do this stuff. So I'll go into t television and just see what happens. So many years down the road, um, you know, I meet Chris Watson at a horror convention in Cleveland, I think it was, uh, where I was a zombie get an extra with Conrad Brooks and Brink Stevens and a lot of the, you know, uh, B horror stars, if you will. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, from there I thought, man, you know, I was like, Chris, how much was your camera and stuff like that? Well, my mini DV Sony 2000 was, you know, $1,800 or something. I'm like, what? I'm like, I can do that. <laughs> I can, I can use my tax return and, <laughs> and buy a camera and do uh, the second Christmas of the year tax returns. <laughs> yeah, you know, so, so yeah, it's stuff I always wanted to do. Um, the movies I love are like revenge of the ninja, the, the, mm -hmm. you know, uh, American ninjas, uh, that Chuck Norris films, David Carradine films. Um, when people talk about like television, I'm more of a movie guy. I don't get to watch a lot of episodic television, but back in the day, I would like run home from school so I could be home by three o'clock to watch Kung Fu with David Carradine that was on at three o'clock oh, afterwards. And, and, you know, I would, I would run home to be able to watch those shows. So, and I still love those programs to this day. So, and in fact, my son's name is Kane. So, nice. uh, but, That's uh, nice. you know, I, I always had those influences and those roots that I love. I never aspired to be, um, Close Encounters, or I never inspired to be, like I said, the, these Oscar-winning type type films. Um, you want to have fun. You, you, know? you want to do what you love and have fun. Yeah, but I mean, in, in terms of some of my influence, too, um, you know, as I, I'm growing up, we, we had got cable when I was maybe 14 years old or so, and they have, you know, Cinemax late night and stuff, and people are thinking, oh, that it's porno stuff or what. No, it's not. <laughs> they were showing B-movies. They were showing Cellar Hell Dweller. Yeah. They were showing I mean, the, 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 the porn channels, 
the porn channels were always scrambled. Remember, you had to like kind of make out what was going on. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and, and even at even at 14 years old, you, you'd think I'd be about that, but I don't have time for that when Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers is on. I'm not going to fuck around trying to tune in those. I, I don't got Absolutely. time to screw around with a scrambled channel when fucking Cellar Dwellers on. I'm not going to waste my time with a scrambled channel. Fuck that. I'm going to watch, <laughs> you know, Wanting Fear, or Cellar Dweller, or, you know, uh, you know, Commando Squad or whatever. But yeah, yeah, a lot of my my evil tunes, you know, my my favorite directors are like Fred Olin Ray. You know, these are guys that have made stuff that I like to do. Mm -hmm. uh, Jim Wynorski, Fred Olin Ray, Chopping Mall. I could watch Chopping Mall oh, over Chopping and over and great. over again. You know, and, and when you, Len, you aspire to be this Oscar person in film. No, I aspire to make Chopping Mall. You know, that's <laughs> what I want to do. Sure, that, that's the stuff I love. I, I, I will never, ever, ever, ever fucking pretend to be somebody that I'm not. You know, that's not me. And uh, if it's the one thing I can't stand in life, it, it, it's just, be, you know, people that aren't themselves when they try to, you know, I hate fake people. Oh, I'm yeah. just, uh, I'm an old school punk rock rebel yell type person at heart. And, you know, be yourself and do what you want to do and fuck what people say. Because at the end of the day, when you do what you want to do and you get those fans, when I get those cult movie fans that love Swamp Zombies that was made 14 years ago, it's because they love it because of the heart and stuff that was put into it, you know, not because I had the best camera or the best, you know, lighting or the best, you know, technology or whatever back then. It's because it was filmed with a lot of heart. And, you know, I'm, I'm doing that 14 years later uh, still. So the people that have hung around with me and I've had fans actually that, that have bought every single movie that talked to me 14 years ago that still talk to me today. Mm -hmm. So. In fact, one of them, uh, uh, Tim Collins, I, I did special features on the new DVDs where uh, I did fan audio commentary, where I just talked to people out of the blue. I said, Tim, you've been watching my stuff forever. Do you want to do a commentary track on my new DVD? And, yeah, he was honored about it. But really, I'm the one that's honored. I'm the one that's honored that you've stuck around with me forever, you know, watching my stuff. So the, the pleasure is all mine, believe me. So I, yeah. got, I got a really good last question for you kind of coming off of that. Um, it's a two-parter, so so hang in. So I think the first thing I want to ask is, what is the most of all the work that you've done and everything that you've worked on? What are you most proud of, and what was the hardest thing for you to accomplish? I would say, most proud of. Oh, that it's tough because each film kind of represents its own little like turning point um going into something like angel of reckoning though i was writing that when um when my mother was was dying she she died of multiple system atrophy so it was a uh -huh. down spiral over the course of, of seven years she she suffered from it but as i started to write it i said mom you know i'm going to do this movie next that uh uh it's going to be different it's not going to be a bunch of tna and stuff like that I, I'm not going to use any tricks anymore. I'm going to do what I want to do. And I wanted to do a Charles Bronson-ish, you know, Death Wish 4 style type revenge <laughs> picture. And, and that's what I told her. And I, I knew she loved Charles. She liked the same movies I did. She liked <laughs> Charles Bronson. And um, I said, you know, uh, it'll be a lot different. There's not going to be a bunch of boobs in it and things like that. And, you know, I'm just going to. You know, and she's and she told me and, you know, I get emotional just thinking about it is, you know, Len, you don't have anything to prove anymore is what she would say to anybody. And I said, but mom, I always feel like I do. I can I can't I can never quit, you know, trying to reach whatever next level is in my head, at least, uh, let alone what a critic or, or a viewer would would say. Uh, but she said, you have nothing to prove anymore, Len, just you should do it. 
And I said, okay. So I went, I went forward and, and Angel of Reckoning became, but man, you know, yeah, I, I have lost friends. I have lost family. I, I have lost important people in my life to be able to do movies um, because of the time you put in. Uh, there were many nights when, you know, my wife at the time would have went to bed, you know, by herself because I'm on YouTube looking up lighting schemes or something mm -hmm. that I was going to implement and try to learn to put into Angel of Reckoning or stuff like that. So, I mean, the time you put in, uh, the phone calls I would ignore from people, all that all that kind of stuff while I was working and trying to get better to do something like Angel of Reckoning. Um, you know, and I look back and I think of how simple it was on, on Swamp Zombies or Curse of the Wolf. You know, I played a local uh, film festival, uh, Great Lakes Film Festival, which I'm not sure is around anymore. I'm, I'm, not, sh I'm not sure. But at the time, it was in this big artsy theater in Erie here. It sat like 250 people, and uh, it was like standing room only. People were sitting in the aisles to watch Curse of the Wolf. Um, and I thought, wow, this is amazing, y you know? Yeah. And for the shitty movie, you know, this is amazing. <laughs> and, and, you know, this is only my second thing. And, you know, you don't know what lies ahead. You're only, you know, is it's a what have you done for me lately kind of thing. And, and uh, but now... I can say it's not that because people still talk about swamp zombies. They still, we're still talking about curse of the wolf and fist of the vampire and stuff like that. So, um, it, yeah, I'd say angel of reckoning only because, uh, I didn't, I didn't use any tricks. I didn't use Dutch angles. I didn't try to be, be wildly different with something. I didn't pull any gimmicks where I, uh, you know, I just went out there and wrote it and I didn't really worry about putting elements that I thought I needed to put in the movie to like sell it to, distributor or something like that i just did the movie and said you know what no tricks no punches it reminds me of uh i believe in rocky one or two i forget which one it is but at the end mickey's like you gotta switch to southpaw you gotta switch <laughs> i don't need no tricks Mick. i don't need i don't need to do this i can do this my way you know i can do it the, the way i trained and did and stuff and that's the kind of the way i felt is i didn't need any tricks anymore when i when i did uh, angel of reckoning so uh it might not be my most action-packed film but I think story-wise, it, it marked a, a turn where uh, characters were driving the action along and not the action driving the characters along. I think uh, Angel of Reckoning was my first film where that happened. Um, and not to say I wouldn't go back because Hellcat's Revenge is exactly the opposite. It's, a, it's the action that's driving you know the story and the characters yeah. along and stuff like that. Hellcat's Revenge is what you would think it is it's a crazy biker action movie with fight scenes and guns and gold and stuff fun. like that hell yeah <laughs> yeah it's, it's meant to be a fun movie so so uh so just because i go um away from like a martial arts type picture doesn't mean i'm not going back i, I i'll never abandon the stuff i love that's not going to happen of course uh, but uh but I'll, I'll say angel of reckoning for those reasons and um Coming up, too, I've got Blood Prism, I mentioned, that's coming out. And uh, I'm really curious, you know, next month when it goes to Amazon and stuff, what's the response going to be to it? Because uh, it is not a fight movie. It is not an action movie. It is like a dark comedy slash horror tale. Hmm. Uh, kind of like, um, obviously not on this budgetary level or, or production level, but like an American Psycho kind mm -hmm. of, of thing. You know, it's all lighting-based uh, the lighting in the, the film is very, and tone of the film is very, very uh, Argento-ish, kind nice. of, you know, on a very, very indie level, of course, on a micro-budget level, but uh, those kinds of things. So it's my first attempt at something like that, 
And um, that came out of nowhere too. So, you know, who knows, maybe something different, people will see it and say, hey, Len tried something different, good for him kind of thing. But uh, just, just uh, it's kind of like when I appear on Best of the Worst or I do a Red Letter Media thing like Horse Ninja or something like that. There, there's always those fans that can't stand Len, and I'm totally fine with that. I, I, I'm just kick totally, him in the head. No, no, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the type of guy, I hate the sort of maybe people. If they hate Len, good, fine. If they love Len, good, fine. I just don't like the sort of maybes. Love or hate me, be one or the other. Pick a direction kind of thing. That's, that, that's what I like. But, but for the people that don't like my appearances or anything on that on their show, I always tell them, hey, you know, I'm a guest. I'm gone. You know, it's back to your regular scheduled people that you love. I'm gone. You know, you're going to blink and I'm gone. Mm-hmm. You're, you're going to blink and the Blind Fury review is going to be over and it will be back <laughs> to your regular scheduled people that you love. So that I'm was just a great episode. When we we love you. So, we so, absolutely you know, love you on Best of the Worst. We love you on Red Letter Media and we love that you came on this program today. Yeah, really, Len. Thanks so much for coming on, man. This has been really fun. And I, I got to admit, I was like really nervous at first because like it's kind of surreal watching you on like uh, my my favorite Internet show. And then you're right here, right in front of me. It's pretty cool, man. Thanks. So thanks a lot for coming on. I really Anytime. appreciate it. Have, have me back. So uh, oh, totally. OK, we take advantage of that. <laughs> Definitely um, do it. I got a bunch of new stuff coming out. I got the, the Patreon.com slash Killer Wolf Films page. Uh, I film new stuff every month for it. Uh, there's twitter.com slash killer wolf films. I'm not as shitty as Neil Breen is at Twitter, but I try with me there. Facebook, I guess, put the kibosh on my friends where I can't have friends anymore or something, but what? I, don't, I don't know what that's about, but that's great. Make your own Facebook. I had to switch it to being a public figure or something. I said, nah, fuck that. So, yeah. uh, follow <laughs> me on there or whatever, but, but thanks for having me. And, uh, have a good night. I hope you have me back. So uh, Yeah, definitely, Len. We'll, we'll ask you back sometime soon. And remember, ladies and gentlemen, you can check out Blah Blah Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Podbean, and BlahBlahInc.com. All right. And action! One, two. <laughs> and action. And action. And Begin. action, ladies and gentlemen. And we are back. And joining us right now is the magic maestro himself, Mike Dowling. Hello there. Hey, Mike, how, how are you holding up in this freezing cold weather, my friend? Oh, that's uh, it's all good. I, I uh, cut open Len and uh, stuffed myself in him like he was a pump. <laughs> oh, my and, God. And I thought he smelled bad on, on the, the outside. outside. Sorry, Len. That was uh, a Star Wars joke. We loved having you on, brother. Thank you so much for going on. Yeah, seriously, man. Come back in the summer so Mike doesn't cut you open again. Uh, that's great, Mike. I'm glad you're using the lightsaber that I gave you. So, yeah, Sean. Mm-hmm. Take it away, my friend. All right, let's talk about a little news from this week. Uh, one of the big things that came out uh, this past week that we haven't gotten to talk about yet, and I know, Evan, you're a big Trekkie. Yes. So I think that you have a lot to say about this, and that is uh, apparently Quentin Tarantino is working with uh, Paramount and J.J. Abrams to create a new Star Trek, R-rated Star Trek movie. This is awesome. <laughs> it will be called R-Trek. I am... <laughs> I am so on board for this idea. I think it's fucking amazing. It's um, a, it, when, when I read that thumbnail, it's like probably one of the top ten things I thought I'd never see in my life. And I'm okay with it for that reason. Star Trek yeah, is yeah. dynamic and versatile, and it's so long as they don't try to do um, like Star Trek uh, Nemesis, and they kind of go in the direction of. I think I think Tarantino can take it to a cool place. Uh, I just hope that they do it well and they pay proper homage. 
there's a lot of stuff in the original series and even some of the original movies that I can see tweaked to be an R rating, but not um, blatant or, or overt. So we'll see how it goes. Or you just remake First Contact, shot for shot, but just add in a few fucks and stuff. Because I'm sure Picard wanted to say that in the moment. First like, Contact where he smashes... was a First Contact great is movie. so good. It's such a good movie. I love that <laughs> it's, movie. It's like one of my favorite Star Trek movies. Yeah, I know. And people hate it. I like, don't, I read so much I, hate about it. Um, I don't understand the hate behind First Contact. Um, Me either. But I, but I, I get the hate behind the other next-gen movies, oh, but yeah. First Contact... Uh, I saw on Twitter movie. the other day, Jonathan Frakes, a.k.a. Commander Riker, tweeted, it was like December 12th, 1998, is when the day uh, Star Trek Insurrection came out. Terrible like, Why are you reminding me of that, Jonathan Frakes? Terrible. <laughs> it was like a bad episode of Next Gen. It was just yeah. awful. Um, What was I going to say? Oh, yeah, so does that mean the Chris Pine movies are done? Who the Kelvin trilogy? Uh, I don't know, and I don't think so, because they've been planning on doing a fourth one, but it just hasn't happened yet. Probably because Star Trek Beyond didn't do too well in the box office. Really? That's a shame. That was a yeah. that was the best one of the three. Like, by yeah. far. <laughs> yeah. It was, suppo- it was supposed to be like a time travel one, right? And they were going to bring back Chris. Chris uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Which isn't too far out of the realm of possibility in Star Trek. Time travel happens all the time. Yeah, um, well, I don't know, if, and I know I'm ripping this right out of uh, a review, but uh, there is the Star Trek episode called Parallels, which is in Next Generation. I think it's uh, season eight, I want to say. Uh, basically, Worf figures out that like the universe splinters at every fucking second. I remember that, so it's yeah. Like, it's like, oh, okay, so time travels just all the time. So, mm-hmm. like, that happened, like... Not to mention that there's time travel in uh, Yesterday's Enterprise, and there's time travel in the original series with uh, when they go back and find that pilot. Uh, it's just, it's whatever. You can do anything you want. There's no real continuity, although people will argue tooth and nail that there is, but it's kind of just like fly by the seat of your pants continuity. So whatever yeah. you want to do with it, I mean, it doesn't matter. Just don't make it on a network that you can't access it, Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> yeah, there's time travel in First Contact. Yes. They go back in time. Yes. To, uh, and they meet Zephyr and Cochran. Uh, he yeah, was who, played. Who, by um, the way, Zephyr and this Cochran. Whole new, this whole new movie series is predicated on time travel. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah you're right. Zephyr and Cochran. Zephyr Cochran. James Cromwell. Played by James Cromwell. Zephyr and Cochran was in the original series and looked nothing like James Cromwell. Wait, really? Know. Yeah. There was an episode where they go, they find this remote planet where this person's been living forever, and it turns out it was Zephyr and Cochran, but he's like a. 25 year old guy with like brown hair he's like oh i've fallen in love with some weird entity on the planet uh, it's, it's and, he, and he merged with her what's the name of that so episode? is that before or after metamorphosis that was the name of the episode is that before or after they find lincoln floating in space oh that wasn't actually lincoln uh that was what no that wasn't actually lincoln i think uh wasn't gang not Genghis Khan. who else was in that episode <laughs> it was jesus it, it was no that would have been very controversial <laughs> Uh, you know what a great before we move on. You know what a great episode of TNG was. I've been rewatching TNG. Savage Curtain. That was on like, Lincoln. I, I'm on like halfway through season six, and I'm like waiting till I find the episode where Picard. I think it's Picard and Crusher go out to space to come back, and everyone in the Enterprise has been like de-evolved and like turned into monsters. Like Worf is like some feral creature. It's like a horror movie episode. It was so good. I gotta find it. I actually think that's in season. Eight, but I there was only seven seasons. So uh, what did I say? Did I say eight before? Why? Why am I, I dumb? <laughs> I meant to say season six or seven. That one's in. 
Anyway, we could talk about Star Trek all day. I bet we could. Yeah. But I'm sure Sean um, and Mike could forever. <laughs> so what re- this remains to be seen. This is just in the gestation stages. Yeah, it probably of won't movie even make. happen. Well, they, I, they 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 set up a writing a writing room for uh, the movie. Have so you go in it. theoretically, yes. Tarantino's not even writing it himself. There's a slight chance he might direct, but I even doubt that. So to me, this is just like Tarantino had an idea. He sent it to J.J. Abrams and Paramount's like, fuck it. Why not? Yeah. And uh, I also read that uh, that if this does go through, there's a chance um, Patrick Stewart would return as Picard, which I am all for. I remember Mike Saclasa saying that in a best of the worst a few weeks. No, it was like a half in the bag a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. He's he's just like they should continue from where next gen left off when they were talking about the, the newest Star Trek series that's out right now. And he's like, it, that should have just been a continuation from where Next Gen leaves off, and you see an older Ricard come back. Dude, if they did that in this movie, I would be all for it. I'd be golden. Yeah, it'd be fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I totally agree. I love Patrick Stewart. He's still got the spunk in him. He hasn't aged in thirty years, so he looks. No, like it's all that still. Earl Grey tea, man. Earl Grey tea and that gym in the fucking Enterprise. I mean, the good dude's buff as shit. Yeah. Before we move on, I want to ask you guys what. Would you do if you were able to go on a holodeck? I would so probably go Who's into. Dick? Huh? <laughs> I would probably if, if there was a holodeck like somewhere in New York City I can go into. I would go on the bridge of the Enterprise. Kind of like yes. Are you telling me that you would use the holodeck to go on the holodeck? Pretty much, yeah. You, <laughs> you are something else. I, I it's my lifelong dream to recreate the uh, original series uh, set in my living room and making it a, make it a home theater. Uh, I thought it would be the music video from Spider Man. Oh, do you think? Yeah, no, that's the second songs. lifelong dream. Uh, I'm not gonna stand here and wait. Don't you want to stand on a giant building? Mm, nope. All right. All right. Anyway, Sean, what's next? All right, let's talk about something that uh, me and Mike can talk a little more about as opposed to Star Trek. Let's <laughs> me and Jason go off on forever. Uh, let's yeah. talk a little X-Men. Um, in a new feature with uh, Entertainment Weekly, we can confirm the timeline for the upcoming X-Men Dark Phoenix movie. Oh, God. Brian Singer to direct? Oh, ooh. It, No, he is not <laughs> directing this one. Uh, the movie the is... The Fat Lady song. The movie is going to be taking place in the year 1992, which is a full Woo! 10 years after X-Men Apocalypse. I hope. And they have an age of the day. Crazy, right? No. That's my big complaint. Well, well they have yeah. an age of the 60s. I hope we see a cameo from uh, Fresh Prince and uh, we see like uh, Crossfire commercial and like Beyblades and stuff like that. It would be great. I hope that on a TV somewhere is airing the 90s X-Men cartoon, which I... That's not out of the realm of possibility. They had X-Men comics in Logan. Right. Be surprised. That was jarring to see, actually. Jar Jar? <laughs> no. I, you know, I, I wouldn't mind if they did a little, little uh, throwback to that, although it would be mm-hmm. weird because at least in Logan, they explained it like, oh, they, these have been around forever and all these adventures we had. Whereas in, in this, the TV show be, started in, what, 1990, I think? 91. Yeah. 1991. No, so, not. yeah. So it's not I'll look that. It up. It's not that. Um, long ago but yeah no it's it's just like they also showed some more photos uh apparently the dark phoenix um i guess what do you want to call it the, the symbiote is is coming from space uh as opposed well, yeah, that, that's original, 1992 right? I mean, 92, yeah. 92 to 97 okay all right um 
but it seems like they're being slightly more faithful to the actual Dark Phoenix story, but at the same time, we already saw her use it in Apocalypse, so... Oh my god, you're right. So yeah, they're going to retcon that. They're going to retcon everything. Like they haven't done that already. I know, every movie is just a new retcon. And also, let's not uh, gloss over the fact that uh, Cyclops is a big part of that story, and in the last movie, he had like five lines. Yeah, and but I read some dude's comment online saying, like, in the Entertainment Weekly stills, you see them all standing by a grave, and there's rumors that Jennifer Lawrence doesn't want to be a part of this anymore, and she's she's coming back as Mystique, as you see in the stills, so people theorize that in the beginning of the movie, when they're in space, like, the Phoenix is going to attack, kill some people, and she's going to be the one who, who dies. Good. Uh, and then have and then that'll make Cy, uh, I was about to say Cyborg, yeah. Cyclops. And the then, leader, as he's supposed to be. And then they're going to take her baby and <laughs> and then eat it. What? Oh my. <laughs> that took me a second. And I was like, what the? F- oh, the, the I don't Earth get it. Movie. I'm still counting seconds over here. The, uh, don't, don't you remember the, uh, the, the movie that she was in with uh, uh, Step Out of the Car, Please? Uh, 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 what? What time do you close? <laughs> Are we talking about Mother? I didn't see Yes! That. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> what the fuck? That's Javier Bardem. Javier Bardem. Can you step out of the car, please? <laughs> oh, <laughs> what time do you close? Oh. Now is not a time. What time do you close? <laughs> God damn it. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, Mother. That was an important to walk my way. <sighs> anyway. <laughs> I never saw it. Thanks for the spoiler. Now I want to see it. Jason, have you read the Bible before? What's that? Exactly. All right, you go talk to Roy Moore. He'll tell you all about it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Evan, are you and Roy Moore, like, are you guys related? You know, I feel like Roy Moore has taken the Moore name and just dragged it through the fucking dirt, and I'm very ashamed What's to have What's your middle name, Evan? What's your middle name? Pierre. <laughs> <laughs> you should stick with Moore. <laughs> Never yeah. mind. Don't you know my middle name is uh, Pierre Bardem Jean-Luc Picard Moore? That's my Wait, full name. It- Oh, it's not really Pierre. No, my name isn't fucking Evan Pierre Moore. What do you want next, Jason? A social security oh, number? 449 <laughs> <laughs> What is wrong with you? You guys need to be on medication. Holy shit. Evan's voice skip like Mike and I did? Yeah, like, well. Oh, you my God. Evan, it was Evan like what happened with Chobo. Evan oh, and Sean really? are together. But yeah, you, I just hope your guys, uh, your guys Skype just like broken record for a second. Oh, we yeah, didn't hear Evan that. Said Evan, it, like, what he, Evan just said what he said like three times. <laughs> like, 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 no, my name's not fucking. No, my name's not fucking. No, my name's not fucking. <laughs> God damn it. The sad part is I don't think we're going to pick that up on our end. Of the no, recording. we didn't hear that at all. Shit. Oh, that was so funny. Ugh. <laughs> Shit. Well, well, we better um, hope that doesn't happen with the Len Kabazinski interview. Well, what do you mean we, we did that recorded. already? Yeah. Yeah, that we already recorded. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's cut that part out and intro back in uh, <laughs> one, two, three. So yeah, I never saw Mother, but I kind of wanna. Anyway, what's next, Sean? <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sylvester so Stallone. Uh, I know. <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> Uh, Sylvester Stallone, he's going to be returning for the uh, Creed sequel, which uh, reportedly is going to be about the son, uh, or I'm sorry, it's going to... Is it called With Arms Wide Open? No, it it is not. (laughs) It's going to see uh, Apollo Creed's son fighting off against the son of Ivan Drago. 
I thought you were going to say Ivan Ooze. <laughs> I was going to fucking lose my mind. He's, he's coming back. I was going to lose my fucking mind. The Brady Bunch reunion. <laughs> the Spanish Inquisition. Yo, now he can say like a bunch of other things that he missed in the past like 25 years. Like Trump's election. <laughs> you know, the Japanese tsunami. <laughs> Katrina. Snuggies. <laughs> oh, anyway. Uh, just wait, what just, oh yeah, the Will and Grace reunion. 9-11. <laughs> oh, no, I was avoiding that one. Anyway, um, what was I gonna, oh yeah, Sean, do you want to say who you told me who might be playing? Well, Ivan that's Drago's what the story is. Uh, apparently, he's teasing on Instagram uh, that the role of Drago's son might be played by professional wrestler and former MMA fighter Brock Lesnar. Perfect oh, casting. Oh my god. Really? That's awesome. I feel like that was like a Yo. fan request. Uh, he it was on his official Instagram. So uh, uh, he posted hope, a what? I was gonna say I hope uh, if Lesnar's there, Paul Heyman is with him. <laughs> he uh, posted a uh, photoshopped image of Rocky fighting Brock Lesnar in a UFC cage fight with the caption quote Drago's son will be played by a new unknown. Well, people know him. Like everyone knows him. Yeah, but he's never acted before. Yeah, you're right. Well, I mean, kind of. He was he, back in his first run in WWE. Remember that time he made out with Kurt Angle? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, uh, I do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do we think this is a good idea? I'm fine. Yeah. I liked Creed. That was a good movie. I Great fan, too. It's yeah, I'm behind the movie. I don't know about Brock Lesnar. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, he's I not, mean, he's not really an actor. What does he really have to do? What does he really have to do? He's stand there, look intimidating. Done. He's got that done. He he's, has to uh, say a few lines he, like you would. I need. must break done. you. If he could say that. Yeah. If I can change, anybody <laughs> can change. I I really don't like Rocky Four. I don't know if I've expressed this before, but mm. like uh, I like Rocky One quite a bit, and I feel like the Rocky movies get progressively worse all the way through to Rocky Balboa as mm. being the worst one. Like okay. I feel the quality just goes. <laughs> And I really don't like four, five, and six. I didn't see Creed though, so I don't really have an opinion there. But as a Philadelphia man myself, mm. I very much appreciate the first one and parts of the second one, even though those punches. Are oh, you like cold. Creed then? Just as much would. as you'd like Jack. You probably or... would. Uh, did you know that Stallone broke his neck during uh, Rocky Four? Good. So he filmed it with a broken freaking neck. Yes, he did. Mm. I really don't like I remember when I first started watching the Rocky movies and my one friend was like you're gonna love four and I put four on I'm like this is the stupidest movie I've ever seen in my life <laughs> happy birthday Polly and the robot comes in I'm like what, <laughs> what happened to these characters I, I remember I was watching Family Guy years ago when I used to actually like watch the show every Sunday night in high school and they had that happy birthday Polly joke with the robot like that robot like comes into the living room and says like happy birthday Brian and I remember not understanding that joke for years until I happened to see a Rocky Four review on like Nostalgia Critic or something like that. Crazy man. Yeah, happy birthday, Polly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, Evan, I'm curious your opinion of this story. Yes. Uh, Deadline is reporting that Seth Rogen will be playing Walter Cronkite in a new JFK assassin assassination film called Newsflash. That's actually uh, interesting casting, don't you think? Like, I, I, I'm not gonna. Is that true? Or you? Yeah. Are no, you, that's okay. that's one hundred percent true. Okay. So. Is he gonna I, laugh? 
I actually don't think that's bad casting. I just I'm curious. I'm more curious than I am excited because I don't really see Seth Rogen do roles that aren't Seth Rogen. Like mm. every movie he's in, even in the disaster. Well, did you Seth see Jobs? Did you Steve, see Steve Jobs. Jobs movie? I did not we see the Steve. Which one? The one that, was that good. came out a year. The good one. No, the one with him in it. Which one was the one? The Michael Fassbender one was the good one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, where he plays Wozniak. Oh, he's really oh, good. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure that he will do a good job. Uh, I think it's good physical casting. I'd like to see Seth Rogen not be Seth Rogen. Like, see the Disaster Artist, great movie, but like Seth Rogen was just. Oh, I'm Seth Rogen. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a sausage and I'm having an orgy. <laughs> oh. Uh, uh, that's cool casting. I think that's a good idea. Yeah, the film is going to follow Cronkite and CBS behind the scenes uh, after the assassination. So it's. Uh, you think they'll have someone play JFK or it'll just be like news footage? Um. Honestly, I think, uh, well, it depends because, uh, you know, I, they actually, I saw uh, last year they, they had that movie Jackie about uh, Jackie Kennedy uh, with Natalie Portman. Yeah, Jackie Chan, yeah. Yeah, and and uh, they recreated the whole JFK thing for that, so. Um, oh, shit. Yeah, so possibly. Have you guys seen that Hulu show, the Hulu show 112263 Franco? No. Mm-hmm. That, was a, that was really good, surprisingly yeah, I like, good. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I like it a lot. But um, the epi- <laughs> the uh, the guy who plays Lee Harvey Oswald, uh, dude, spinning image of him. Like all I got to do is recast that actor. I don't remember his name, but he was in The Punisher too. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, he was, he was the fucking uh, PTSD the, guy. Yeah, the most tragic character in all of Marvel. Anyway, continue, Sean. Uh no, that's all. Uh, the movie is going to be directed by uh, David Gordon Green, who did uh, Pineapple Express. Uh, oh, and really? He's going to be doing uh, the new Halloween. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. I think Seth, Ro- Seth Rogen will be uh, Michael Myers. Seth Rogen okay should play that. Mike Myers in a biopic about how his career went downhill. <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and then, oh man, I can totally see Seth Rogen like playing fat bastard. <laughs> Get, Get in my, my belly, belly. <laughs> uh, pizza. <laughs> Fuck look at my titties. Uh. <laughs> oh, look at my titties. Oh, hey, James Franco. You want to kill Kim Jong-un and start an international crisis? <laughs> Nothing was better than like, watching CNN. It was like, international crisis. The interview stoner movie ruins <laughs> relations with North Korea. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm going to be telling my, grandkill- uh, my grandchildren that World War Three started with the Seth Rogen comedy, the interview. <laughs> but actually. Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, it started with Seth Rogen and James Franco, then the Celebrity Apprentice got involved, and then we all died in nuclear <laughs> war. The end. Uh, and then the FCC took away our internet. Yeah, thanks, Ajot Pie, or whatever that guy's name is. <laughs> That's my favorite pie, type of pie. Whatever his name is. <laughs> anyway. Big goofy anyway. mug. Uh, Jason, Twitter. Do we have any questions for this week from Twitter? Yeah. Tweet, 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 tweet. <laughs> cheep, 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 cheep. One second. I'm pulling it up. New intro. Cheep, 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 cheep. Twitter segment. So you guys. Oh, um, my God. <laughs> tweet, 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 tweet. <laughs> Great. That's a good idea. All right. Sorry. Go ahead. Before I ask any questions, I just want to ask, uh, did who, who here besides Evan and I saw the disaster artist? Me. me. Mike, did you no. see it too? No? It's, well, I what'd you guys, it. just general non-spoiler opinion, what'd you guys think? I loved it. I thought it was really good. I Don't thought... spoil the true story. Yeah. 
Well, that's kind of the contention with it is it's, it's a little inaccurate, but at the same time, I, I think it was well done. I think James Franco did a good Tommy Wiseau. I think it uh, it was oh, he was great fun. It was emotional. It was funny. It was serious. I I really thought it was a good movie. Really, really thought it was a good movie. Yeah, it was good. What, yeah. what you liked it, Sean? Yeah, no, I liked it. Yeah, sweet. Um, okay. Oh yeah, I liked it too. I actually um, editing a YouTube review on it, which will be out soon. Oh boy. Um, okay, so our one question this week is from the imposter Jason Green, with the with the E at the end of his name, and he asks us a very simple question, boys. So get ready. He mm. asks us, "What do you want for Christmas?" All I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the kid from Stranger Things said, and then he got him. Yeah, he's like, oh, "My name is Dustin, and I want to fight the Demogorgon." <laughs> He's like seven feet tall now. Yeah. Did you see me in that one commercial yeah. where he's like, like not mm-hmm. a kid anymore? Yeah. He's trying to sell. And he's like, files. hey, did you guys? He's like, hey, did you guys get Optimum? Hey, you guys have Optimum Files on the case from Stranger Things. It's like, oh man, that kid grew up he's way gonna, too fast. And now they want to wait a year he's to play the Demi Gorgon next season. The reason why they want to wait a year is I think they're gonna set the next Stranger Things like five years later or like ten years. They're later. gonna have yeah, to the because the kids probably. are gonna look like. Hi, it's me, it's Will, uh, back from the Upside Down again. <laughs> it's a full beard. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I remember when I was a little kid in the Upside Down. Like, that's what it's going to turn into. <laughs> Eleven's played by, like, uh, like Ch- Jessica Chastain. <laughs> oh, they're going to have to, because uh, uh, these kids are growing up really fast. And I, I love Stranger Things, and I'm, I'm a little happy they're going to yeah, wait a little show. bit. Little but anyway, what do we want for Christmas? Um, More Stranger Things. I just, on my, uh, well, obviously, number one, World Peace. Obviously, number two is net neutrality. Santa can't give you and, any of those, um, Jason. Yeah, I know. None of those are going to happen. Thanks, Santa. I just asked for a bunch of video games um, and new boxing gloves. I would like uh, tax cuts and uh, a <laughs> recount in the Alabama election. Um, those are my two biggest ones. Big old recount. Uh, what about, Sean, anything? Blu-rays. On your, on your All the besides, Blu-rays. Like, bunch of Criterion collection. Do you guys still make Christmas lists? My dad has me do that. Not really. He, I, my dad's just dad. like, what the fuck do you want? And uh, I'm just like, uh, clothes would ni- be nice, I, I guess. Am, I almost feel like at this point, like I should just buy myself something and my parents buy themselves something because they buy gifts for me that equal the amount that I spend on them. So, like, why don't you just, we just buy the things but we But then want? they're not giving you anything. That's fine. I'll just buy myself shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll just spend, <laughs> I'll spend the $100 on myself versus the $100 on them. I mean, you could do okay. that, but... I could. Do they ask like my dad? My dad just get get each other just one hundred dollar Visa gift cards. There you go. Or just don't do anything. My dad is like a very <laughs> very quintessential family man. Reminds me of uh, Clark Griswold from the Vacation movies. Oh my god! But less less weird. My dad is so about family traditions and stuff. Like every year, the first weekend of December, every year we go tree. get the Christmas tree. We go to the same diner all the time. Slaughter the same uh, turkey. Uh, right after Thanksgiving, we make Christmas lists Worship for each other. You know the little. What? <laughs> what? Uh, what are you talking know. about? Worshiping demons uh, for Jason? Come on! That was a weird uh, thing to say. Uh, 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 Mike, Mike, what do you, Mike, what do you want for Christmas? <laughs> uh, student loan forgiveness. Oh, I like uh, that I'm, one I'm too. I pulled my necktie here. Ooh. Yeesh. Mike, do you want a hug? Oh, uh, yeah, I'll take that. You know. Free. Mike, I couldn't <laughs> afford you anything this year, so I just got you this box. That's amazing. That's what I got you. <laughs> I'm going to give you a handshake. Oh, boxing. Uh, uh, oh, a shake. Oh, okay. Not about boxes. 
So anyway, <laughs> the imposter Jason Green, we all want a bunch of material possessions and things that'll never happen. So thank you so much for asking your question. Uh, remember, ladies and gentlemen, you can tweet at blah blah pod numero one. Blah okay, blah Bella pod Lugosi. one. <laughs> blah blah yeah, numero one. That's a good one. Uh, I, fuck you. You can tweet at you can tweet at blah blah pod one. Anytime during the week, tweet us a question about anything that comes across your mind. If you need help on your homework, tweet at us. Evan will answer. I'll if you answer. need help with your calculus test, tweet at us. While you're taking the test, just make sure the teacher doesn't see the phone. And we will answer you as we, re- we record. So please tweet at us whenever you want to, ladies and gentlemen. Well, 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 I guess it's not the, uh, the uh, plagiarization of a college essay. And we would appreciate it if you do not take any legal action against us. Down payment of forty nine ninety nine is required upon signing. <laughs> Side effects may include balding, <laughs> fat, death, AIDS. DC universe. DC universe. What the fuck are you talking about? This is about? our disclaimer. This is our boilerplate disclaimer. Oh, all I heard this. from, I know it's going to sound better later, but all I heard for just literally. Blah, 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 blah. I don't think I said anything other than blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Yeah. What do you want? Podcast. All right. Anyway. anyway what's you guys got to keep up. <laughs> Let's uh, go over to miscellaneous. What the fuck? Right in my ass. Right in my ass. North Korea! Did the intro play? <laughs> yes, it did. Oh my god. Uh, we don't actually have any miscellaneous stories for this week. Uh, however, we do have a big announcement to make. Drum uh, roll, please. Eh, the sound effect was better. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we are announcing uh, next week we will be doing uh, the very first ever miscellaneous in space. No. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to tweet miscellaneous stories to the astronauts in space. <laughs> no, actually, we're going to be having the very first miscellaneous Hall of Fame ceremony. Yay! The very first we're going to be inducting the, the best of miscellaneous. Oh, yo! Into the Hall of Fame. That's great. And we uh, hope you're excited, ladies and gentlemen. Who's gonna make it? Man took a dump on the counter, or Burger King has terrible new flavor. <laughs> you decide. Go to blah blah pod one on Twitter and Irish, vote. Ancient Irish butter. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, one. actually, uh, so we're, uh, I'm gonna be uh, announce right now. We're gonna announce the we have three inductees this year for the Miscellaneous Hall of Fame. And, of course, the very first inductee into the 2017 class is Burger King. Of course, Burger King had to go in as our very first entrant into the Hall of Fame. The King! The King is here. The King. Um, our second king entrant... Lives. What's that? No, no. All right, fine. <laughs> you want, you want, you want, you want. <laughs> why are you... Why are you doing my yeah, come on, Jason. Don't hide behind a computer. Behind that too bad. Gorgeous headshot. Um, Thank you. I'm so jealous of your headshot. I'm not even making a joke. It's just, it's so good. Just go up to my dad. Just go up to my parents. I'm going to ask your dad for a headshot. Careful. All right, continue. Mike's like waiting to make a. Don't say that. Don't say anything. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Our second entry into the Miscellaneous Hall of Fame for 2017 will be. The self chow- self checkout bandito. Oh yeah, that's the guy. The guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> this is the guy who pooped on the thing. The guy who pooped. He pooped. he he masturbated. He left his cocaine. What what didn't he do? Exactly. Pooped, masturbated, and did he, coke. He, he does it all. He won. He it's a triple crown. Triple crown. And uh, he. What we aspire to be. He will be inducted uh, into the Hall of Fame. And our final inductee into this year's Miscellaneous Hall of Fame is Miss Sarah Bryan. Uh, the, uh, oh, the pube dress. Pube dress uh, oh. will be inducted into our Miscellaneous Hall of Fame for 2017. And for those of you who don't wow. know why, it's because she actually responded to us. And we can't get on the show. <laughs> although, although, if you're at, what's her name? Sarah Bryan. Sarah Bryan. <laughs> if, you, if, if you're out there, <laughs> if you're out there and you want to bring your uh, artsy pube dress onto our show, we would be more than happy, and I mean it, Sarah Bryan, please tweet us at, tweet us at blah, blah, pod one and come on our show. We'd love to ask you about your pube dress. And you can accept and your uh, Hall of Fame general. ring too. Yeah, yeah, we'll actually give you uh, a prize. It'll be a R two D two toy from Burger King or no, from, from Pizza Hut. From Pizza Hut. Yeah, it, for a little. I have it right here. Is if uh, Sarah Bryan? Right. Yeah, Sarah Bryan. How many times? If, you I, I don't know. If if you come and <laughs> you on our show, I will send you a vintage R2-D2 Pizza Hut toy from the release of Star Wars Episode One that I'm holding right now mm-hmm. that used to make a sound <coughs> and doesn't anymore. So I will send you this as your prize if you agree to be on our show, and this could be a trophy you could have forever. Here he is, Pizza Hut R2-D2, all yours. Come on the show, talk about your pube dress. Or yeah, any maybe you can use we got we got Len fucking Kabazinski on this show, Sarah. You want to be part of this? We're this is some big shit right here. I'll give you part an RTD tutorial. Elite crew. <clears throat> yes, so that's going to be happening next week. Uh, we'll be having our induction ceremony. In fact, next week's going to be a big show. Big old show. Uh, it's our last show of the year. Oh, uh, Got to be huge. We have a bunch of things planned. Um, and yeah, a couple surprise guests. Maybe could be friend of the show uh, George Lucas. Could be uh, Lukowski. Ken, Ken Lebazinski <laughs> is uh, <laughs> is not is not, is not, is not appearing. If for whatever reason you started this halfway through and you missed Len Kabazinski's amazing interview with us, go to the beginning of this episode because uh, great guy. Uh, but also uh, George Lucas. Send us home, Jason. Send us home. Yeah, let's put a ball on it. Okay, let's put a ball on this episode, about, about everybody. Before. We just keep rambling on and on, and people just tune out before they hear my amazing outro. So, thank you so much for listening to episode 132 of Blah Blah Podcast. Remember, you you can subscribe to us if you aren't already on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and Podbean. Check out our YouTube page, Blah Blah Podcast. I'm going to start putting up some video reviews on that very soon. I'm in the process of editing those. Also, check out my own YouTube channel, Jason Green Screen, and our Twitter page, as you know. Blah, blah, pod one. Sean. Follow me on Twitter at the underscore Brack Show. Send me Christmas gifts. Woo! Hashtag send Sean Christmas gifts. Oh, by the way, I canceled my Amazon package. Uh, Oh, finally? Yeah, I finally got uh, Walmart to send me a new one. Oh, there you go. So, yeah, update. Good. We're all worried. We're all in the edge of our seat. What's that? How's the dog food? Oh, he's still not eating it. Oh, good, good, good. Oh, is Shiloh okay? He's fine. He's just an asshole. (laughs) Hey, <laughs> Shiloh's the best. Anyway, Evan, you you can go. Um, you can follow us at blah blah pod one, as Jason has said before. 
Um, I do not have a personal Twitter or anything like that, but I would like to um, please, if you're interested, we do have the Len Kabzinski interview up as well as a separate entity as well as part of this episode. So if you're looking just to uh, share that or check that out, please, please do. Len's a great guy, great filmmaker. Make sure you check out some of his films. I know that he's got a bunch of re-releases coming too, um, and we're, we're happy to connect you with him. So thank you, Len, for being on today. Uh, if you are listening, and thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And please follow us on Twitter where we release most of our updates. Mike. Yeah, you can follow me at uh, Mike underscore Dowling on Twitter. Uh, MF Dowling on Instagram. Uh, yeah, I think no, I'm not giving you my Facebook. Fuck you. It's private. <laughs> Leave me alone. All righty. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. Len, thank you so much for being on. Ladies and gentlemen, check out Len's movies and uh, have yourselves a great week. Very good Merry night. Christmas. Oh, and Merry Happy Christmas. Hanukkah. Third day. Happy of Hanukkah. Hanukkah. What's going on right now? Merry Kwanzaa. I guess. Happy, Happy Earth Day. Happy Flat Earth Theory. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>